Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Welcome to the new year, 2023. We are starting it off with a solo episode, and I am super excited for this one. I really love talking to the community, talking to you all, getting your insight, getting your thoughts and perspectives on the food industry in a whole. And on November 30th, 2022, I put out a, an Instagram post, and basically I asked, what are some mistakes new cooks make that should be avoided? And I also mentioned that answers will be talked about on the podcast. I got a lot, a lot of responses, uh, <laughs> quite a few on this. So I'm not going to be able to get to all of them because I got over 50 responses um, in total between Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But I'm, I've pulled the ones that I really, really enjoy, the ones that I really think are the best. And obviously all of them are great. But I think obviously there's some uh, repeated, repeated uh, sentiments. So I've tried to kind of diversify what's been said. Uh, but I really think it's important starting out this new year, especially if you're going into the restaurant industry or if you're new to it, even if you've been in it and you, maybe you're just in bad habits. I think it's really great to have this perspective of what mistakes should be avoided. And I know for people that have been in the industry, I think it'd be really cool for you all to kind of see if you've made any of these mistakes and how you've rebounded against them. And if you you know, were taught them, you know, taught these lessons maybe early on and didn't make these mistakes. I think that's even more rewarding. So we'll see how this works out. I'm really excited for it. Once again, thank you to everyone. I will be giving credit to Instagram handles and all that um, as I go along. But like I said, there's so many people that uh, that did respond. So um, thank you all for responding and thank you all for submitting. Uh, Really, really, uh, before we begin, really, really important, really, really important. Wow. First podcast of 2023 and I have not had enough coffee. I put out a newsletter every Monday. It is called Prep List Items. It is a newsletter focused on giving you information, tips, advice, gear, and so much more in the food industry. You can go to linecookthoughts.com and subscribe to subscribe to the newsletter. Also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. It helps me out a ton and it makes me aware of what you like, what you don't like, and how I can be better as a podcaster. So thank you all for listening. Once again, really, really hoping that 2023 is the one of the, you know, it, it's just, there's so much potential at the beginning of the year. And I just hope it's a great one for you. I hope it's one where you grow both personally and professionally. And I hope it's one that's very rewarding and one that you have a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment. in. so wishing you all the best in 2023. And here we go with mistakes you should avoid if you're starting the restaurant industry. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So one of the big things that I think when starting in food that I would have switched, this isn't going to be all me, I'm going to start and then I'll go into some of the responses. But I think for me, one of the big things was not being open to all the possibilities in the industry. It took me a long time to realize just what career opportunities, what paths were out there. You know, when I got in, I came from Buffalo, New York. That's where I was born and raised. And up there, there's no such thing as a Michelin guide. Um, The food scene's great. But growing up, I didn't have much exposure to it. And beyond that, I didn't have much exposure to what food was outside of 
uh, Buffalo. So, you know, Olive Garden for me was like a go-to throughout my childhood and early teen years. And so when I got out to culinary school, when I started working restaurants and kitchens, I uh, really had this... um, had this moment and this, this revelation uh, that there's so much more out there. There's so much more in regards to food. There's so much more in regards to cooking, what it means to be a chef and just the talent and possibilities that are pretty endless in the industry. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I really want to be a chef. And I really wanted to focus on fine dining. It was something that I had like growing up in Buffalo. I hadn't really had that much exposure to my family. Didn't go to fine dining restaurants a lot. It was so cool to think that, you know, there's this hyper, hyper driven area of the industry where it's focused on the highest quality of food and the highest quality of guest experience and everything else in between. And that really, really was appealing to me as someone young in the industry. And I think if I would have done anything different, I'm very happy with how everything's turned out so far. I'm very grateful, blessed. I've worked with some incredible people. I've worked some incredible places. My path has taken me outside of the kitchen now, uh, but I still loved those kitchen days and you know, managing restaurants and everything in between. But for me, I think that one thing I would have been more, I would have done differently was been more focused on different paths and being more open to it. For like five to six years, I was so strong-willed on just being a chef. I was never going to leave the kitchen. I was always going to be a Michelin star chef. And that's the only thing I wanted, only thing I focused on, only thing I cared about. That was like the thing for me. That was the, the goal, the dream, everything in between. And it was all based off the status of being a chef more than like the actual enjoyment of the process, the enjoyment of what I wanted to do, the enjoyment of life itself. You know, I didn't really think about how my life would be in regards to how many hours I worked a week when I'd be able to see my family, uh, when I'd be able to you know, have time off to pursue other interests and hobbies. So I really went, I really went into it. Like that's, it was more so the status of being a chef and the status of being a Michelin star chef more than it was any real thought into how it was going to work, what I'd have to sacrifice, what I'd have to do to get there. And as I started to leave college and get into the industry, I realized, A, I couldn't afford to stage in New York City or Chicago or anywhere else because I had bills to pay and loans to pay. But two, I also realized that it really wasn't a lifestyle that I wanted for myself. I realized that I didn't want to be working 80 hours a week. Uh, I didn't want to have to put all of my time into one basket. You know, obviously, as you can see, I like to podcast, I like to write, I have a lot of stuff I do outside of work. So having a job for me that gave me the time to go into those different things, those different interests and hobbies, for me, that was a better fit. That was something that I needed. But again, at the time, you couldn't tell me otherwise. And so as I started to leave college, and I started to see what was out there. And as COVID hit and shut down the restaurant I was working in, I started to poke and prod into different sectors of the industry. And then I found what I liked, which is more so research and development. And I've really loved it going into that role in the last uh, two to three years. But I wasn't open to that in college. And I definitely would have made different decisions that would have made me even more set up for this. And so I guess for me, if you're starting in the, in the industry, it's very alluring. I know how alluring it is to be a chef. And you might be listening to me and you might be like, no, I'm just going to be a chef that no one can tell me otherwise. And I, and it's good. Like you got to have that drive. You got to have that motivation. If that's what you want to do, if that's for you, then I really encourage you to do it. Just be open to what else is out there in food media, in food manufacturing, in research and development, everything else in between. Be open to that. That's all I'm saying. Because at some point, a lot of you are going to find that maybe restaurants aren't the thing you want to do the rest of your life. And you're going to have to have that openness to go move somewhere else. That openness to try new things. And with that comes 
managing and tempering your ego. So many people are like, oh, if I leave restaurants, am I selling out? If I leave restaurants, like, I cannot stress enough how little it matters to anyone if you leave restaurants. I cannot stress enough how much no one cares if you decide to do something with your life that isn't working in a restaurant. People incur, like, I remember when I wanted to leave restaurants, I had my mentor, Ross Warhol, and I told him, hey, I don't want to do fine dining anymore. I want to go manage um, restaurants that aren't fine dining. And I thought he was going to be very disappointed. Nothing but support, and it helped me so much. It was so great for me. So if you decide to take a different path, my advice to you as, a new, as someone new in the industry, be open to new things and don't ever make let the like don't let ever let the fear of judgment impact your decision making on different paths no one cares if you're leaving restaurants no one gives a crap everyone's worried about their own life do what's best for you do it without any fear of judgment and move forward in ways that are beneficial to you that's my one piece of advice for any mistake that i see people make in the food industry so next up we are going to go to some of the responses so this is coming from at christy dot caseta on instagram and she has two quick pieces of advice uh one is taking on too many tasks at once and the other is not asking for help if you need it this is a big one going back to that ego thing that pride that we all have um asking for help is very important asking for it smartly is very important if you don't know something if you're not aware of something in the in the kitchen it's always better to ask during like a slow period during a prep period instead of being stuck and then really needing the help during service. So I know for me personally, there are a lot of times where I put off asking for help. I put off asking for questions, knowing that things might not go well during service. And of course they didn't go well. And during service being like, Hey chef, I messed up. I need help on this. And then, you know, that was a terrible time. We're trying to make a great experience for customers. And here I am because my ego, my pride wouldn't let me ask for help when I, when it was best for the team to do it. Now I'm bringing the whole team down. So not asking for help isn't just a, it's not just something where it's like, oh, I just need to get over my ego. You not asking for help impacts the entire team. It impacts the entire flow of service. It impacts the entire way you operate. So you not asking for help when you need it is a net negative on your team, on the guest experience, and the dining process as a whole. And it lets people down. Because guess what? The people you're learning under are there to make you better. They're there to make you a stronger cook. A job is supposed to make you stronger at what you do. And I feel like so many of us are so so caught up in being strong-willed and knowing what we're doing. And guess what? No one does. Everyone needs help. And the best chefs in the world all continue to learn and ask for help and continue to move forward. The best leaders in the kitchens I've worked with, they're always open to suggestions, always open to new things. So if you're starting out, Asking for help when you need it is so, so, so important because without asking for help, you're just, you're inevitably going to make things worse. And I think it's so, so important that you humble yourself and you're just like, Hey, I need help right now. Can you please assist me with this? And again, make sure it's at a good time. Also make sure you've done the work before you ask for help to process it. Like there's so many times, and this is a skill I needed to learn. There's so many times where I would like get stuck and I'd immediately go ask for help. Take a minute, breathe, think about it. Think how you can fix it. More often than not, the answer is there for you. It's always better, in my opinion, if you're going to ask for help, 
to come with somewhat of a solution or to come up with a thought on how to fix it. So say, for example, you don't know how to make a certain sauce. Instead of just being like, how do, you know, or, yeah, say you have sauce on your prep list you have to make and you're not sure how to, like how it's going to be made. Instead of just being like, hey, like, can you help me with this? Be like, hey, my thoughts on making this are X, Y, and Z. My thoughts on this new sauce is this process of making sauces. Because as a cook, you're going to have your foundations, your recipes of things that you can really work with. Coming with somewhat of a solution, coming with the with the the idea that you've thought about it, that you've applied yourself, is so much more beneficial because a it lets you know if you were on the right track, and b it shows who you're asking for help, that you truly are asking for help, and that you're truly trying to get past something, and that you actually care about it. So that's a good piece of advice. Thank you, Christy, for sending that over. This next one, this next one is from at Nasen twelve says, you advance much farther by being a team player. Final product and customer satisfaction is what matters. It's never not my job, in quotation marks, or in quotes, I would have done or said, you want to be successful, the team has to be successful. I really agree with this. The whole idea of it's not my job. There's a famous story, uh, if you haven't heard it, of Grant Ackett's going to ask for a job at the French Laundry. And there's this guy sweeping the floors uh, in the front and Grant is like hey I'm here to see Chef Thomas Keller do you know where he is and the man sweeping was Thomas Keller and he's like hey that's me <laughs> much better said elsewhere but you get the gist there's never a time when it's not your job there's always going to be things you have to do that might not be your job especially as you get higher in the ranks especially as you get sous chef and chef and or kitchen uh, manager or whatever your title is and outside of kitchens too, and research and development, everything else, food manufacturing, being a team player is the goal. I think the chef business especially is so focused on individualism sometimes. I think it's very hard to escape that. I think it's very hard to get past the, I'm going to be a great chef because no great chef was ever made by just doing it themselves. They needed a team, they needed someone around them, and they needed someone that could help them. You know, I think uh, I think that the a big part, a big thing for me, a big part of what I believe in is Stoic philosophy. And there's this idea of ego. You know, I, I suffer from ego issues. I feel like I've done a lot of good work on it, but I think I still think I have a very big ego that needs work. But the idea that you're not the main star of the show, you're a part in the movie, in the play, whatever it is we're doing in life, you're a part of it. You're not the main event. You're not the main star. When you kind of flip your perspective in the kitchen from you're this like rising chef. And I know, I know how it is. If you're starting out, you're hungry. You're going to be this great chef. You're rising up. You're going to prove everyone wrong. That's not the idea. That's a really bad mindset. The mindset should be, I'm going to prove the people that believe in me, right? I'm going to prove the people that trust in me that they were right to make that decision to trust in me. That's where you should be focused on. That's where you should be moving towards. So being a team player, saying it's, you know, doing those things that maybe aren't your job are the quickest ways to get trust and respect, especially as you get into management roles. Cooks will trust you so much more if you're able to just like sweep the floor, do dishes once in a while, get your hands dirty and get down because that's how people respect you. That's how you show that you're, that nothing's above 
or nothing's below you and you're really there to work for the team. So you really want to focus on that. It's super important. It's something that I think is always important to be focused on. All right, next up is by at Culinary Gurus. And they say it's better to do it good at first and then slowly work on your speed. That will come later. This is so important. Speed is everything in the kitchen. I mean, it's super important that you're quick, that you're efficient, that you're working well. But if you're going really quick and doing like a 50% job, at the end of the day, that's just going to slow the team down. It's going to give out bad product. And it's going to make your overall execution very poor. You get fast by getting good. You get speed when you're able to know what you're doing, when you're able to slow down, when you're able to have the fundamentals down. So learning and doing it right, your knife cuts, cooking techniques, everything in between, that is so important. Being able to do it correctly and then working on that speed is so important. I don't think a lot of people in the restaurant industry realize that. It's When we say go fast, it's not just go fast and whatever, you know, just go fast, shoot blindly and whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. What it is, is getting fast at correct technique, getting fast at being able to do things correctly. That's the speed you want. Anything else is, is not good. It, it's going to lead to failure. It's going to lead to poor work. It's going to lead to things not working for you. It's going to just net negative it's a net negative on your career so learn it right and then get fast at what you learned right don't just go fast all right next is at unicorn.fam she says stay open-minded foods are a combination of possibilities and creativity it's an endless art don't let traditional techniques and definitions ground you down very very true i find it interesting because it's so weird to me, the food world, because a lot of times the chefs that are praised are the ones that are breaking boundaries and uh, trying new techniques and taking food in new directions. But at the same time, we're an industry that's so archaic and so focused on tradition and so focused on how things have been that it's like, what do you want? You either want to stay stuck in the past or you want to move forward. And there is a lot of anxiousness about trying new things. There's a lot of anxiousness anxiousness about trying new ideas, new recipes and whatnot. So focusing on that, focusing on the fact that you've learned the basics in your first few years, and then being willing to try new things is super important. You know, it's, it's about, it's like anything in life. Like for me with podcasting, I had no idea what I was doing when I was starting this podcast. I had no idea. And I was a line cook and I was like, I just cook. What, like, I don't have any skills to be a podcaster, but I tried it. And obviously this isn't about recipes, but it's the idea, the principle that, yeah, you need a, you can respect tradition. And I mean, I don't, I respect where the industry has been and I respect people that are here, but I do think it was built on a lot of negative things too. So holding it in in like 100% good faith is also not a good thing in my opinion, but going back to like working with recipes and working with food, getting Getting to a point where you're able to explore and be creative with what you do is super important. And you're not like disrespecting tradition when you try new things. And a lot of times it's trying new things that makes people excited. And it's trying new things that allow you to just know what works. And it gives you new areas and new flavor combinations that maybe you wouldn't have um, 
maybe you wouldn't have ha- have had before. So I'm just saying, like, being able to just try new things, having that courage to do so is very, very helpful. And it's, it's not having that courage is a mistake. Being overly confident is also a mistake, and I want to point that out. So it's a nice balance of learning your fundamentals, and then every once in a while trying something new. And then being open to the fact that it might not work out and, if it, and not being so attached to the outcome. Don't When you're trying new things, you shouldn't be attached to the outcome. You should try your best on making it good, but don't be, attract, don't be attached to the outcome because it's something new. And a lot of times new things don't succeed on their first time, on their first try. So not being attached to that outcome is super important. This next one is from veggie.brat on Instagram. And they say, come humble, let your guard down, observe, listen, help others, and most importantly, ask for help. Set your expectations for yourself reasonably. If the kitchen is really new to you, or the style of food is one you've never worked, keep in mind that you won't ace it overnight. Be gentle with yourself and set small goals. Little by little, you'll learn the ways that work best for you and are conducive for the kitchen you're in. Trust your instincts, and very importantly, your taste. You have this job for a reason because you are a professional. I love this comment. I really do. Veggie Brat, thank you so much for sending this in. There's a couple of little things that I think are super important. We talked about expectations a little bit. Setting your expectations to be the best chef in the world within your first year is like not good. You have to realize that it takes years for people to be masters of what they do. It takes months just to get acclimated to a job. And I think it's a, I think this is where we set a lot of new people in the industry up for failure. It's because restaurants often operate on like you walked in the door Friday, Tuesday, you should be somewhat proficient at your job. Let's get going. And I, it, it's just important. I think as an op from an operator standpoint, uh, from like managing, managing standpoint to recognize that people don't move that quickly. They don't catch on that quickly, but as a new cook that you're not going to catch on that quickly. But the best thing you can do, and this is a skill that I've attained and one that I, I think that is so important to me, is setting small goals, getting those small wins. If you look at it as this giant goal, there's, not, there's no milestones, there's no achievements, there's no little things that keep, you, that keep you satiated, that keep you motivated. And it starts to become overwhelming and it starts to be, come to the point where it's like, will I ever reach that goal? Having small intermediate wins, perfecting a knife cut, being able to make a hollandaise during service, uh, having your prep list done by a certain time, getting those small wins build up over time and and focusing on those things, focusing on those tiny things each at a time, getting your skill set up, they start to add up. There are arrows in your quiver that you can start building in. So focusing on those things is super important. Making sure you're able to, to dial in on them is super important. And it helps you get better. But it all, like every chef is a, an amalgamation of small skills that were hard earned. So focus on those. Keep those for yourself and make them, make these small goals happen. There's another part in this that I really like. And it's, you have this job for a reason because you are a professional. Especially in fine dining, we get feel like there's this vibe of like, oh, you should be lucky to work for us. It, it should be your honor to step foot in our kitchen and peel our potatoes. <laughs> it's a job. At the end of the day, it's a job. You have to pay bills. 
get to provide for yourself. Some of you have families to provide for. It's work. I think we romanticize the jobs a little too much in cooking. I really think we do. It's important to be passionate about it. It's important to want to love it. It's important to want to focus on it. And if that's all, I mean, a lot of new people in the industry, that's how you are. And it's good. That's You want that energy. That's how you get to where you need to go. But there needs to be a healthy dose of realization that there needs to be a balance outside of the kitchen and that it is a job. In this mindset that, oh, I'm so lucky to be, it's like, it should be an even relationship with you and who you're working for. You can't be stuck in this, oh, I might, I don't, like, why am I even here? I don't even deserve it. You were hired because you have a skill set or you have the aptitude to get the skill set needed to do the job. That's why you were hired. Take solace in the fact that you're hired. Take note in the fact that there is a over a million jobs open right now in the industry. And take knowledge in the fact that skilled, hardworking workers are in extremely high demand, more so now than probably any time in the last 30 years. It's important that you understand that you were hired to do a job. This isn't like some fantasy. This isn't some calling where you it's like you got into the job and it's like you're going to make it there and prove it to them. And you need to prove yourself and you need to show that you have value. But it's a job. And they hired you because you are a professional. Because you show up every day. You do the work. You work to get better. You work to put out good product. You have high integrity. You have high moral integrity. You're able to focus, you're able to work with others, and you're able to do the job, and you're able to get better over time. That is why they hired you. Live up to that. Don't live up to the fantasy of, I'm going to be a great chef, and I'm so lucky to be here, and it's my honor to be cooking for you. Like, You can have people that you look up to. You can have people who you deeply admire. But at the end of the day, it's still a job. It can be a passion. It can be something that you have, but it's not a healthy viewpoint to view it as like your entire life because guess what most people who view it that way burn out most people who view it that way don't make it to where they would need to go if you don't have any balance outside of what you're doing it's not going to be good because you need balance you need to step away if you're if you're always head down looking at the same food every day if you're looking at the same thing you don't get any perspective switches you don't have any resets and you're just working on the same like brain like chemistry of like you've done this yesterday and you're doing it today and you're going to do it tomorrow. There's no like ability to like take a step back, look and come in with fresh eyes. So remember that and remember that you are a value. If you're doing anything for a business, you are a value. And if you're at a business that is acting as if just because you're new or just because you're learning or you're in the first few years of your career that you're not of value, they're lying to your face. They need you. They need you, especially when someone calls out, especially when it's busy. They need you. You need them. They need you. That's how it should be focused on. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. It doesn't need to be any sort of leverage. It doesn't need to be any sort of ill will or Ill- you both need each other. You need the job. The job needs you for labor. That's how it is. Don't lose sight of that. Don't forget that. It's important. It really is. And a lot of people lose that. So 
I'm t- I, veggie Brett, thank you so much for sharing that because it's so it's just like I feel like there's a lot of people in the in the food industry that like in, in restaurants that just act like oh it's it's you should feel honored to cook for me like we're past that it's we're past that in my opinion do good work treat your employees well employees do the best work you can and then let's just have an industry where we have that balance to get out of it. And let's have an industry where it's a fair employer to employee relationship. All right. The chef pen underscore on Instagram says, always be humble. There's always something you can learn from someone else. No one knows everything. Going back to just being open to learning all the time, it's super important. Being humble lets you learn from others. If you're not humble, then you start to, you know, you start to think you know everything and a person who thinks they've learned it all cannot learn more and they can't get better. And I feel like at some point, a lot of chefs get to this point where I've just seen it all, I've known it all. No one ever does. No one has ever seen it all. No one has ever learned it all. And there's all and the best chefs are the ones that get better. And I wanna make a caveat. The best chefs, when I say the best chefs, they're not just Michelin chefs, they're operators at country clubs. They're people that run multi-unit successful multi-million dollar a year revenue businesses, those people too, everyone that has some sort of success in the industry is always willing to learn, always willing to switch it up and always willing to try new things. Carson Bernsey kind of echoes this, active listening and willingness to learn. It's super important. Okay, so uh, it's SI underscore BRI underscore. So relying on Instagram, relying on the recipe, too much and not tasting it. Sometimes you got to adjust. This is so true. I'll take pasta, for example. I have a pasta recipe that I make all the time. I love making pasta. It's the same recipe. It never changes. I have it in my head. I don't even need to look it up anymore. Every time I make it, there needs to be a little bit more water. There needs to be a little bit more flour. It's too dry. It's too humid in the air, in the room. Recipes are a base. And they're good. I want to point out that you, you should have recipes, especially if you're training new people, if you're, if you're learning under people, recipes are truly the way to make consistent product. Don't ever fall into, we'll get to that first. Recipes are important, but they're not the end all be all. You need to be able, you need to, be able to use your intuition and your culinary knowledge to adjust and be able to focus on different things that, that the food you're working with is offering you. So maybe you follow a recipe and it needs a little bit more acidity because the lemons you squeezed weren't as uh, tart as the ones maybe the recipe was made with. Maybe you need to add a little bit more salt. Maybe you need to cook it a little longer. Those types of things are very important. So realizing that the recipe isn't the end-all be-all, you need to be able to adjust to that. But also I'll give the advice too, don't ever get into the mindset that you don't need recipes. I'm telling you right now you do, especially in your first five to 10 years in the industry. You need recipes. It's how you get consistent. It's how you, how you learn ratios and fundamentals of food, and it's how you put out good product. When you get to the point where you can just cook whatever you want to cook, that's a great point to be at. But you're not there yet if you're new in the, new in the industry. And even then, if you have a chef or someone where it's like you want to like manage people, you need to have recipes so you can get the same consistent product you made. So if anyone's ever telling you, oh, don't use recipes, recipes are stupid, that, <laughs> no, don't listen to that. That is that is so stupid. 
that is so dumb because it doesn't allow for consistency and you're just going to have product that tastes different. Guests are going to have different experiences and that's a surefire way to not be successful in the industry. So recipes are key. Remember that. Another big mistake is not being able to react to mistakes. Well, at Culinary Yogi says thinking that, thinking new cooks need about a um, thousand. You won't and you can't. So take your lumps and move on. Mistakes help you become a better cook and chef. So true. You, you can't take mistakes to heart. As someone who's struggled with this, whenever I mess up, it bothers me. I get angry at myself. I get so mad. I get so angry. And to be able to be gentle with yourself when you make mistakes is a strength. It's hard. It really is. You can let things really ruin your day. You can let things ruin your mood. You can let mistakes ruin your entire just week, honestly. You need to be present in the mistake. You need to accept and uh, have accountability for the mistake. But then you need to keep moving. And thinking you're never going to make a mistake and thinking that you're never going to mess up truly is a negative for yourself. It doesn't help you grow because mistakes are how you learn. I know it's cliche, but it's still true. But beyond that, being that person who can't get over a mistake or can't get over a failure is bad for yourself. And if you're that same way with others, it's going to be very hard to lead other people. It's going to be very hard to have people follow you and be inspired by you. It's going to be very hard to let other people know that you are there to help them. So letting mistakes not ruin your day, not ruin your entire week is super important. This one is from Getty Green Silly. It's uh, on Instagram. Keep your station clean. Small stuff like peeling potatoes into a half pan. You have a sandy bucket within a few feet of you. You don't need your full set of knives out during service. Stuff like that. Super important. Having your station clean, having it organized, being sure to work in an organized and clean and efficient manner. Uh, and like he said, you don't need your whole, like, <laughs> the worst thing is like when you have someone with all their knives laid out in the station and they're only using one, but they're all out so they can see, so you all can see that they have these beautiful Japanese knives and all that. Like no one cares. Put your stuff away. Have out what you only need. You can look at your gear and share it with your buddies and your friends and everyone else later on. But during service, just have out what you need. It's super important because you need space. Space is like prime. In most kitchens, most kitchens are small. You don't have a lot of space. Having unused stuff, unused items is so bad. Only what you need. Only what you need during service. I think it's super important. This is from the underscore Cyclops underscore Cook. This is another one that I think is super important. Don't be convinced by your fellow cooks or chefs that working yourself to the bone is a badge of honor or that you're weak. If you don't, can't put in 70 plus hours a week. Don't let a chef dictate, dictate to you what your worth is as a person. Stay humble, learn a lot, but take no shit. This is one that I have talked about, this idea for hours on this podcast now at this point. Your framework is broken. If you're proud of working 70 plus hours a week, you should be proud of the quality of work you put in. You should be proud of the work you've done with others in a team. You should be proud of what you've accomplished with cooking. And there are go there are moments where you're going to have to work hard. I've done those. But I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of missing family events, time with friends, time with loved ones, because I worked. 
if your framework is, oh, I'm so proud that I've worked 70 plus hours a week and I'm so tough and I can do it, your framework's broken. It's not going to last long. You're going to be burnt out. You're going to start to hate it. It's going to be something that is not good. So, and I also think that there's this like mentality where if one person, you know, if you're in a restaurant, if one person's doing it, then everyone else has to. And you kind of feed off of this like negative, oh, because I suffered, you have to suffer. And because you suffer, he has to suffer and she has to suffer. And we all have to suffer. It's the same thing with careers. Oh, because I was treated like crap or I had to do it and suffer in this way. You have to do that. I hate that. It, that that's, how, that's what holds our industry back. We need to evolve. We need to make it so that people want to work. Like We have over a million jobs open right now in the food world. And having the expectation that people should suffer or work insane hours and abuse their bodies and not have any sense of a real life, you might not like it. You're listening right now. You might not want to hear it. That's fine. You don't have to agree. But the proof is in the numbers. The proof is in the lack of people going into our industry. The proof is in the lack of job satisfaction with people in restaurants, which I've covered on this podcast. The proof is the people leaving the restaurant industry. So yes, if you're new in food, working a bunch of hours does not equate to being successful. Working a bunch of hours doesn't mean you're just, isn't like, okay, I've put in 70 plus hours. I'm a good, I'm good at what I do. Doing high quality, high integrity work Working as a team player and putting out great and consistent product to your guests is the goal. And guess what? You can't do that if you're burnt out and you have one day off every month and you have no time to rest and relax and recover. You can't do it. It's not successful. Look at every industry out there. You know, I, for myself, I, um, I really focus on like organizational behavior and, um, I'm always trying to like better myself and be better prepared for my career and what I do. And from what I've gathered, successful people have boundaries. People that have lived lives that are worth living have boundaries. You need to work hard. Like I, I think I don't like, I don't understand what people like, if you don't want to work 70 hours a week, that doesn't make you lazy. That makes you a regular human being. And having boundaries is important whenever, wherever you're working. Because work, especially if you're new in the industry, I'm telling you, like it, it might, I know it's fun, it's exciting, but if you go in without any boundaries and you don't have that time to get away from your job, you're going to massively regret it later in life. You're gonna massively regret it. And it's gonna be something that doesn't lead to long-term longevity in the industry. So thank you for that comment. I think it's super important. And I think it's one that a lot of people should take more um, consideration in. Mapbook Pro 1014 on Instagram shares, just because you were taught how to do something one way doesn't mean there isn't another way to do it that might be more efficient and easier. Listen first, once trust is built, your voice will be respected a lot more. Another good one. This is important because you let's go for example you where what you do for for work and the recipes you make and the techniques you have are dependent on each job so say you go to work at a fine dining restaurant and you have a recipe and it's very detailed it's very meticulous it's very 
focus and it takes a lot of steps, but it, it produces a beautiful, delicious, award-winning flavor. Then say you go to fast casual restaurant and you have to manage it and your the amount of customers you're serving is triple that. And the goal is good food, but at a really good cost. And that comes with food cost and labor cost. So time spent on the recipe and ingredients spent on the recipe. You have to adapt to where you're working and what the goal is and recognize that that beautiful recipe that was made at the fine dining restaurant isn't what the fast casual place is looking for. What they're looking for is good tasting food that's consistent. So again, going back to ego, taking the ego out of it and recognizing that you need to adapt and plug into where you are and focusing on, oh, we did it this way here. And that was really good. It's just going to hinder you. You need to take those, you need to take the ratios. You need to take the foundation, the skill set, but you also need to be able to be adaptable to wherever you are because each job demands a different outcome, demands a different product, demands a different thing to sell to the customer. And the customer has different expectations and where they go. So if you're trying to fit this same meticulous thing into each job you take, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And it's, it's the flip side. Say you start in a fast casual place and you go to fine dining. That recipe at the fast casual place probably isn't going to cut it. Your diners are paying more. They're expecting more. They're expecting more technique. They're expecting more skill. So being able to not say, oh, well, we did it like this. And don't get it misconstrued. If you have a skill set, you have things to bring to the table and you can offer like, Hey, like maybe we do it this way, but if that's not what they're looking for, like just read the room, read the job and read where you're at because being able to adapt to that is so, so important. It's interesting to always see like when you go to like recipes, um, you know, like for me, for example, I remember like I went from fine dining to not to like still like high quality food, but it wasn't like tasting menus and being like, oh, we should still should do it this way. And it's like you try that one time. You should try it one time. Try doing one of those recipes in a higher paced, higher cover restaurant. See what happens. It doesn't work out. <laughs> All right. So there's uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we kind of wrap this one up. And it is my, my advice. If you're starting out in the kitchen is always keep a notebook on you. Everyone says this, but no one, I don't really see a lot of people do it. Always have a pen and a notebook on you. Write things down. Write down flavor combinations. Write down recipe ideas. Write down ways that you think things could be better. Write down what your chef's telling you, instructing you on. Write down station setups, everything. Have a notebook and pen, a little moleskin notebook and a pen. Write everything down. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to me, new person in the industry. Having a notebook and pen is one of the best investments you will make in your career because there's so much that happens in a day, let alone a week, let alone a month, and definitely a year in cooking that you will forget. Writing things down, reviewing notes, writing recipes down, flavor combination ideas, all of it, writing it all down is how you get good it's how you get better it's how you improve and it's how you know where you're going so that's my last piece of advice for people in the industry write it down with a notebook always be ready to write it down 
I hope you've enjoyed this. If you're new in the industry, take a breath, be excited. And I hope some of this advice helps get you to where you want to go. So there is the episode. To new people in the industry, the food industry is fun. It's hard. It's rewarding. It's challenging. It's frustrating. But I wouldn't want to be in anything else. Truly, like I don't know what else I'd be really good at if it like <laughs> everything I'm good at or that I do focuses on food. So you've picked a cool industry to be in. Be open. Be malleable. Be strong in your convictions, though. Have boundaries and be open to always learning. New cooks all the time have a stigma. Whether you're post-culinary school or you're just getting in. Unfortunately, and I wish it was different, a lot of leaders in this industry and a lot of people who have been in the industry look down on new people in the kitchen. They make it extra hard. They, they make it negative. It shouldn't be that way. We should be excited people are joining the industry. In a labor pool that's rapidly declining, we should be excited that people are coming in to want to work with food. We should be happy, supportive, not bitter, not trying to tear people down, not trying to haze people or abuse people. We should be happy and excited they've joined. So new cooks, you are of a value. We need you. You need to be here for the success of our restaurant industry, the success of the food industry in years to come. So remember that. Remember you have value. Remember you have worth, even if you just started. All the time, I message people on Instagram. Hey, would, could you show? Could, do you want to share why you cook? Oh, I'm not a chef yet. Your voice matters, whether or not you're a chef. You matter. You have value. You're not some worthless body that is just put into the kitchen. You have value. So my thing, remember you are valued. You have value. If you're in a spot that doesn't value, you got to go somewhere else. Because you are valuable, especially now. So remember that. I hope this advice... And everything that these people have shared with you help you on your journey. I want to thank everyone for submitting on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you all so much. I'm apologizing that I could not get to everyone. Like I said, I had so many comments and there's only so much time I can put uh, in a podcast episode. But thank you all for sharing your insights for those people that were shared on the page, on the podcast today. And thank you for this community that is so willing and open to share advice and ideas. If you have not yet done so, go to lioncookthoughts.com to subscribe to my weekly newsletter that goes out every Monday. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. It helps me get better as a podcaster and it helps me know what you want to hear out of the show. And lastly, thank you all for listening and I will see you on the next Lion Cook Thoughts podcast.